0: Resolved in the Truth, a ministry of Resolved Bible Church located in Norco, California. More information about Resolved Bible Church is available at www.resolvebc.com I want us to turn our attention at this time to the book of Mark as we continue our series in the Gospel According to Mark. And we will be looking at, once again, and... The book of Mark, chapter 1, starting on verse 21. One thing I've been contemplating and praying about and seeing as I study the book of Mark, as we're going through this series, I'm reminded that, and even from the previous message, that this is radical Christianity. Uh, The question I want to start with you this afternoon is, is Jesus, uh, the Lord, of your life, the Lord of your life. What does that even look like uh, in having Christ being the Lord of my life? Does he have full control? Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? When you look at your walk with, with Christ, are you really conforming to him? As we have seen in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that we are called to conform like His Son. Listen, he, Jesus Christ wants all of me, not just 95.5% or 99.5%. You see, Jesus Christ wants all of us, all of me, all of you, in, in worshiping, in serving, in how we uh, fellowship with one another. And that has to be our goal. Or, or is this all we have to offer uh, to God? The 95.5%, or however, however it is that looks like in your life. I mean, in the midst of this pandemic, how are you uh, trusting God? How are you trusting God? Are you feeling anxious? Are you weary? And one thing I want to encourage you, even in the midst of confusion, I want to encourage you that He cares for you, that He, he loves you. Again, we're reminded in the book of First Peter to cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. I'm not sure because we haven't seen each other in person or, or we haven't really contacted one another or, you know, that's why I want to encourage you to stay connected in our weekly Bible studies, in our weekly prayer meeting, even in our virtual fellowship. We have a responsibility to come alongside. I know perhaps some of you, it's very difficult and challenging to just to connect, but do you consider, though, pray about those things. Pray that you need it. Pray that God will work in your heart. So I want to remind us, let's not just check out, but instead ask the Lord to do a deep work in your life and in the world around you. It is about considering and really seeing God for who He is in your life. So I want to encourage you with that thought. So, so far we have seen that this book, which was written by Mark, is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the good news of great joy for all people. And we were introduced to John the Baptist, who is... So, purpose in life was to prepare the way for Jesus and his ministry. Right after that, we saw that Jesus is the obedient Son of God, who, who pleased his Heavenly Father by submitting to baptism and, not, and by not submitting to the temptation of Satan in the wilderness. And right after that, Jesus preached his first sermon, proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. And that there is still not, there is some time to repent and believe in the gospel. What a beautiful message that Christ came to preach the kingdom of God, to preach repentance. And the good news that, that God has come to mankind. Now, that's something that we see here, and as we move forward to the gospel of Mark, we see Christ. Living out the very mission that God has called him, called him uh, to do here on earth. Uh, David Platt, uh, the pastor of McLean Bible Church in Washington, D.C., shares his illustration. And I want to read this to you. It, it, it's so powerful. He said that he was sitting outside, uh, outside a Buddhist uh, temple in Indonesia. Having a conversation with a Buddhist leader and a Muslim leader in this particular community. And he said that these men were discussing how all religions are fundamentally the same and only superficially different. One of the men said, we may have different views about a small issue, but when it comes down to essential issues, each of our religions is the same. Again, that's, a, that's having a conversation between a Buddhist and a Muslim. He listened for a while, and they asked him what he thought, and here's what he said, and I quote, It sounds as though you both picture God, or whatever you call God, at the top of a mountain. It it seems as if you believe that we are all at the bottom of the mountain, and I may take one route up the mountain, and you may take another, in the end we will all end up in the same place. They, they smiled and replied, Exactly, you understand. Then he leaned in and said, Now let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain actually came down to where we are? What would you think if I told you that God does not wait for people to find their way to him, but instead he comes to us. They thought for a moment and then responded, that would be great. And he replied, let me introduce you to Jesus. And church, this is exactly what Mark has been doing in this few first few verses that we've been studying in the gospel according to Mark. Mark has been introducing us to the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who has come to us so that we might be saved from our crimes of rebellion against a holy God. And this afternoon, Mark continues to introduce us to this Jesus by telling us that the authority of Jesus is greater than religion and demonic forces. And my prayer and my hope is that we will recognize and respond to this authority of Jesus. And that is our goal today. As we, look, as we study this passage. And the first thing I want us to look at in verse 21 and 22. The first point is this. The authority of Jesus is greater than religion. Listen, in Mark chapter twenty one, chapter 1 verse 21 says, and this is what the word of God says. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he thought them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. See, when we read this in verse 21, in how Jesus right away, he he entered the synagogue, right? We we see this. So earlier in in chapter 1, Satan attacked Jesus in the wilderness then, then Mark directed our attention to Jesus' counteract. He, he carried the spiritual warfare into the domain of Satan to those controlled by evil spirits. Uh, as will be the case repeatedly, the battle took place in a synagogue on the Sabbath. Perhaps this shows that Satan can be active even, listen, that Satan can be, can be active even in our houses of worship. Wow, think about that for a moment. That Satan, Satan was active. That Satan, even now, in, in, all, in different houses of worship, if we're not careful, Satan is active. So, Mark draws our attention to the conclusion drawn by the eyewitnesses to what Jesus did that day in Capernaum. The people were struck by his authority. Not only were they amazed by his application of the scriptures uh, the, and, how that, and how that applies into their own lives, but they were equally amazed by how he fearlessly confronted the demonic power. Our familiarity with the words of Jesus should never uh, bore us into thinking that they have lost power over the centuries. Jesus remains as powerful today as ever, but we must carefully listen and follow all he says to us. Again, not just listening, right? not just uh, reading God's word, it is for us to obey what we see and what we hear. And it's something that we would learn here in regards to the demons and the evil spirits. So even though Jesus was from Nazareth, the the majority of his ministry was done in Capernaum. That was was Jesus' home base, located on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It it was the largest of the many fishing towns surrounding uh, the lake. So Jesus had recently moved to Capernaum from Nazareth, as you would see in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Capernaum, Capernaum was a thriving town with great wealth, as well as great sin and dependence, a decadence. Because it was the home base or the, the headquarters for, the, for many Romans uh, troops. The, the influences here from all over the Roman Empire was pervasive. So this was a needed place for Jesus to challenge both Jews and non-Jews with the gospel of God's kingdom. Just recognizing in how God put Jesus right there in the midst of all these people, in the midst of sin. And taking advantage of the very location of preaching the good news of Christ, what a great opportunity, considering being able to be faithful to where God has placed you, and likewise is what we see, because it was a large city, Capernaum had a major synagogue, and although the original synagogue is long gone, but if you go to Capernaum today, you can still see the ruins of the synagogue that was built over its foundation later in the 4th century. As we have pointed out previously that Mark depicts Jesus as moving rapidly from place to place, from person to person to help us see him as a, a, a servant and as well as a savior. In doing so, he skips over the ministry uh, events. So during the, during the weeks that Mark does not mention, Jesus ministers in Nazareth and, and calls the other disciples and delivers the Sermon and the Mount. And, and you would see that in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 5 through 7. According to Luke, uh, chapter 4, verse 16 through 30, after Jesus preaches in the synagogue in, in, in Nazareth, the people try to kill him, so he moves his ministry headquarters to... Capernaum, and that was the very reason why he made Capernaum as the home base. So it's important for us to recognize this very particular location where Christ did majority of his ministry. And so here, as we look at verse 21, Jesus wasted no time as, as he uh, right away he entered the synagogue. The synagogue was the center of religious life for the Jewish people. The synagogue system goes, goes back to the time of the Babylonian uh, captivity. Since they could not go to the temple to worship, they, they started gathering in synagogues, which quickly became the center of every Jewish community. They were similar to local churches or the one we have today. And we read that Jesus was teaching. And it was common for visiting rabbis, for teachers, to, to speak in the synagogue. So it, it wouldn't have been unusual for Jesus to be involved uh, to preach there. To be invited to preach. It was also common for the speaker to sit uh, while he was teaching. So the service contained elements similar to ours. The reading of scripture, prayer, singing, the proclamation of God's word. So when you look at Mark chapter 1 verse 22, listen, and they were astonished at his teaching. The the, the people were astonished at Jesus' teaching. I mean, I don't know what they were expecting when they, they went to synagogue that day or even that morning. But whatever it was, they got something, something very different. There was something about Jesus and his teaching that stood out to them, and they were amazed. One thing that we see here, one thing that we don't see here, it explains to us what did Jesus taught them. What was he teaching them? But I want us to, what Mark wants to see us here is how they responded to Jesus' Teaching, being a guest, a rabbi, during that time. So the word astonished means to be, at, to be at a loss, or to be knocked out of one's senses. The idea is to be stricken us by a blow, or to be dumbfounded. In our culture, we might say their minds were blown by his teaching. This was a common response when people encountered Christ. Listen in Mark chapter 6 verse 2. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in a synagogue and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? They said, what is this wisdom that has been given to him and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Mark chapter 7 verse 37. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Mark chapter 10, verse 26. They were even more astonished, saying to one another, then who can be saved? You see, you see that man cry in that sitting, just imagine, right? Just in how in the midst of that, in the midst of that teaching in the, in in the synagogue. And they get to hear Christ preaching and, and teaching them the truth. Just, just imagine for that moment. I mean, when I, when I listen to uh, Pastor Alex Montoya, uh, Paul Washer, Stephen Lawson, David Platt, uh, H.B. Charles Jr., John MacArthur, John Piper, and, and so on, I, I, I walk away, listen, I walk away astonished. I, I, at times, I, I move from their preaching. Just going to, before going to bed last night, I saw this video of Pastor Alex Montoya challenging uh, the man there in, in, uh, at the Shepherd Conference many years ago. He was challenging the preachers, the men of God, how to, to be faithful of living out the calling of being a minister of God. And even just for that one and a half minute, I was already moved. I was astonished. I was encouraged. I was moved by that. Just this, uh, at 5 a.m. this morning, I, I was listening to Stephen Lawson about the cost of living, counting the cost of living for Christ. Again, I, I was moved and I was, I was amazed of, of, of that Teaching. And considering these, these are just men. What more when you hear Christ teaching at that time in the synagogue? See, we see why the people were astonished. For listen, for he thought as one who had authority, not as the scribes. I mean, a bit of background is helpful here. When the scribes thought, they had no inherent authority and so they ended up just quoting other rabbis. So when Jesus preached, he he did so with personal power and and intrinsic authority. The word authority means uh, the power or right to enforce obedience. In, In Matthew chapter 7 verse 28 and 29, listen. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at His teaching because He was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. It is important for us to understand because it's not simply that Jesus was uh, raising His voice and getting really passionate and, and calling people to say, Amen! Speak to me now! He wasn't doing that. No, the the word that Mark uses to describe the authority of Jesus is also to describe the authority of God. And so what Mark is saying here is that Jesus was teaching with the authority of God, the Father. It's like the teaching of Jesus had the stamp of God attached to it. That's amazing. I mean, there's a clear contrast here between the teaching of Christ and the teaching of the scribes, which causes us to, to ask the question, how did the scribes teach? And, and here is what the scribes would do. They would copy the Torah, the Old Testament law. During my visit in Israel, I, I remember seeing, when we visited one of the um, locations there in in one of the... Uh, The scribes were found, um, the scriptures were found in in, in the mountain, and so I I remember seeing a scribe just copying one Torah to another, And, and, and this is still happening to this day. And so here we would see, for the sake of the background, and what they would teach is that they would also copy all the interpretations of the Old Testament law that previous scribes had made over the years. And they would form opinions of the Old Testament law based on those interpretations. And so they would gather all of these opinions and interpretations together and make laws for the, Jews, for the Jewish people to, to observe. The scribes had diverged from the scriptures so much that what we actually see in the New Testament around the time of Jesus was uh, adherence to the Torah, the, the Old Testament law, plus all of these other man-made laws that the scribes had formulated over uh, the years. For example, as a Jew, you did not just keep the Sabbath day holy like the fourth commandment says to do, but there was a list of things that you could not do on the Sabbath. Because over time, the scribes had added to what God had said and made laws concerning the Sabbath for the Jewish people to, to follow. This is where we see the authority of Jesus is greater than religion. By the way, that's why we preach and, and, and teach the Bible here at, at, at Resolve. We are not just giving our opinions or, or trying to come up with clever insights. We openly and unreservedly preach the Word of God in the power of the Spirit of God so that lives change and in the process, God gets all of the glory. That is my conviction as a pastor at, at Resolve Bible Church. It is simply to, for us to, to see uh, Christ in the scripture, to proclaim God. There's nothing else, I have nothing, nothing else to talk to you about besides the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That, that, you see the power of the Scripture. If your mind ever wonders during a Sunday sermon, and even now, if you ever think, hmm, I've heard this before. Remember the reaction of these listeners to one who spoke with such authority and conviction about such unprecedented matters that the only reaction was, I was stunned, I was shocked, and I was amazed. You see, there was no boredom that day in the synagogue. People were on the edge of their seats. That, that's where listeners and worshippers should be every time Jesus' message is, is preached. There's no reason for us to to get bored. And at times, perhaps, that could be coming from me as a preacher. But I remember what Richard said one time. It it is not about the messenger, it is about the message. When when you are really in tune in the word of God, your mind should not be wandering off and, and thinking, what should I have for dinner? Oh, what should I do tomorrow? And and why is Pastor Rudy uh, preaching so long? It, it should be just our hearts and our minds are in tune in, in the very Word of God, and, and that is how important it is, especially now that um, that we have been worshiping at home and and listening at home, and, and there's so many distractions. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, your time, your your. Time with the Lord is divided. Oh, how important for us to really, when we come to worship and hear God, it is that we give everything that we have. Even when you're driving, sometimes you have to be careful, like, oh man. right? You just want to hear God speak to you. (coughs) So here's the deal. Our response is expected when Jesus is encountered. Our response is, when you encounter God, the God of the Bible, when you encounter Christ, there's, it, it, we should respond to the, whatever it may be. We must obey. Especially if you are a child of God especially that you, you have proclaiming and ensure and, and that you, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So the second thing in verse 23 to 26, the authority of Jesus is greater than demonic forces. The religious people responded with astonishment at Jesus' authority, but now we see that the demon has his cover blown when Christ shows up. And immediately, listen, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And so Jesus is busy teaching in the synagogue and when all of a sudden this man with an evil spirit cries out in the middle of his teaching. Can you imagine if that happened in the middle of our church service? Like in the middle of the preaching, this confrontation uh, takes place. I don't recall. I've been here preaching here for a while. And I've been a pastor of this church. I don't recall a time when someone would just walk in and interrupted my preaching. Right? Maybe at times there are people who, who get up and, 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 and leave the preaching because they were bored. Perhaps. Or maybe they need to go to the restrooms, like, oh, uh, this is too dry for me. But I want you to see what's happening here. There is a disruption in, in the worship service. And the authority of Jesus is about to be tested. I mean, do you find it unnerving that an unclean spirit or demon is present in the worship service? I mean, don't be, right? Demons love to hang out among ritualistic and religious people. In in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, Jesus refers to the synagogue in Smyrna as the synagogue of Satan. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. The the synagogue had um, ritualistic uh, services without rebirth. They had rules without relationship. They had sermons without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. They they sang song or music without a sense of God's majesty. Demons are not bothered by dusty and dry services, but when Jesus shows up, they go berserk. They go crazy. Notice what happens next in our text for Mark, and, and look what the the unclean spirit, thus. And he cried out. The word here means to cry out in agony, like a, a death roar. Verse 24 What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Remember, the, the unclean spirits are normally undercover, but when Jesus shows up, they reveal themselves. These evil spirits, these unclean spirits, or demons, are ruled by Satan. They work to tempt people to sin. They were not created by Satan, because God is the creator of all. Rather, the evil spirits and demons are fallen angels who joined Satan in his rebellion and thus became perverted and, and evil. So this is a sad commentary on the spiritual climate of the synagogue. A demonized man is in the service and no one notices until Jesus starts speaking. The unclean spirit is literally saying, You have no business with us. You have no business with us yet. When he declares that Jesus is from Nazareth, he's recognizing, look, listen, this evil spirit, he's recognizing his humanity, he's recognizing Jesus' humanity, but he's also using this title as a term of mockery. The demon asks Jesus, have you come to destroy us? Do you know why he asked that? Remember, Jesus was teaching that the kingdom of God is near, and that meant that Satan's kingdom was coming to an end. And so the demon asked, Have you come to destroy us? And the answer is, yes. And that's what God has planned all this time. Right, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, listen. 1 John 3 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The book of Revelation, Revelation makes it clear that Jesus will destroy Satan, all of his followers in the great battle at the end of time. Man, uh JV and I, our brother in Christ, one of our members in our church, uh, we have been reading the book of Revelation together. Why we would read uh, a chapter a day. And just, and then praying that and, and saying and, and, and when I, and knowing this. Right, knowing this, that it's clear that Jesus will destroy Satan. So this demon, who, who once was a beautiful angel, is now just spitting anger and evil and, and bitterness at Jesus in his confronta- confrontis- confrontation. Because he knows that God's kingdom has drawn near through Christ and he hates Jesus with, with a passion. They know their destruction is, is coming. This is very similar to what demon says in Matthew chapter 8 verse 29. Matthew 8 verse 29 says, Suddenly they shouted, What do you have to do with us, Son of God? How Have you come here to torment us before the time? See, the demon begins by insulting Jesus and and now he declares the deity of Jesus Christ by saying, oh, I love this. Listen, listen to what he says and in how he he, he brings up Christ and recognizing what he declares. I know who you are, the Holy One of God.
1: It's interesting
0: that demons know exactly who Christ is. Mark chapter 3 verse 11, we read this. Whenever the unclean spirits saw Him, they they fell down before Him and cried out, You are the Son of God. In Mark chapter 5 verse 7, a demon confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. The son of the most high God. Can I tell you something that is a fact? That Satan, Satan is real. His demons are real. And here's more. Satan and demons know who Jesus is. There's not a question in their minds like maybe, maybe Jesus is the Son of God, maybe He's not. No, they they know who Jesus is and and they're afraid of His authority. This demon is asking Jesus what He's coming to do and if they're going to be destroyed because they're afraid of Jesus. But all, all that the demons have is an intellectual belief in Jesus. The demons believe and know that Jesus is the Christ. They, they believe that he will one day judge the world and cast them down to endless torment in hell. They believe who Jesus is, but that's as far as they can go. They will not submit. Listen, they may know about Jesus, but they will not submit to his They're not not going to obey Christ. They will not submit to His authority. And that's potentially how far some of us go. We we, we might believe that there is a God. We might even believe that Jesus was a real person who walked this earth. And yet we won't submit to His authority. Authority, Because that's going to mean something, reordering of our priorities. And all of a sudden, Jesus becomes this cultural identity marker for us, where we will identify as a Christian until it's inconvenient for us. You see, we will identify as a follower of, of Jesus until we have to give the sin in our lives over to Him. If that's where some of us are, then all we have is an intellectual faith in Jesus. And scripture is clear that this will not save us. See, we might believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God. But, so that the demons, they believe. The question is, have we, have you submitted to the authority of Jesus? Jesus. Because if you have not, then you are so dead in your sin. Church, we we must not only, listen, we must not only know about Jesus. But actually know Jesus and love Jesus and rejoice in Jesus Christ. Good. Like, do we... Love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Do I love Jesus? Do, do we desire to know him in a personal way? I, I, I'm not talking about that you know about Jesus, but but this, this fact that you can say I know about Jesus, He's it, not simply what I read here. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That you have a personal relationship with Christ, that you desire, that you truly love Him. And, and this is why I'm talking about being a ra- that this is radical Christianity, that you're willing to surrender your life to Christ. That you're not being a phony Christian. You're not being a fake follower of Christ, but you're a genuine follower of Christ, that you have submitted your life to Him, that He is indeed a Lord of your life, that, that He has this full control, not just the 95%, but the 100%. That I have fully given That you have fully given everything to Christ No no matter how difficult life is That in this world that we will face tribulation That we will face trials In the midst of all those things That you can run And you can go to Him For peace For assurance that That He is truly in control of your life Do you love Jesus? Let that sink in your mind as you're listening to this. Do I love you God? Do I truly love you? That word love is about sacrifice. And when you look at your priorities, what does your priorities really look like even now? When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that you do? Do you think about and worshiping our Heavenly Father? What does your schedule tell us you during this time? Where does God fit in, in the plan of your life? I mean, do you have the desire to know Him? Psalm 27 verse 4, I I love what David says there. There's one thing I desire. There's this one thing. It is His prayer, it is His desire. There's this one thing, it is to be in your presence. Now and in the future. And it, it tells a lot about your walk with God. In regards to your priorities. It's important to note that declaring a name here was considered a way to secure mastery over someone. That explains why Jesus immediately told the demon, or the, told demons to be quiet. He, he also did not want any testimony from a demon As we see here in Mark chapter 1, verse 34. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Can I tell you though this? Jesus does not need a demon to be his marketing manager. And we see this in verse 25. Jesus rebuked him saying, Be silent and come out out of him. Jesus silenced the, the demon and would not let him say any other word. And then he commanded the unclean spirit to come out. Demons have no choice but to obey Christ. Please, don't, don't ever put Jesus and Satan on the same level. Don't do that. Satan and his evil demons are powerless before Jesus Christ. Satan and his minions have no power over Jesus Christ. They not only know who he is but also know that he has all authority and power. We see in, we see this in verse twenty six, and the unclean spirit threw him into convulsion, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. Utter evil cowers in the presence of utter holiness. This unclean spirit makes a fuss fuss before he comes out. The word convulsions means to tear and to lacerate, to throw into spasms. I'm sure this woke anyone up who was snoozing in in the service. Right? You've seen how a person... I've gone through, like, like this, for example, this this convulsions and how they just throw themselves, right? I remember, you know, some of my kids do that, right? When they don't get what they want, right? They just like, all of a sudden they just lay on the floor and, and, and just go run around and, you know, until they get what they want. Maybe that's your kid, right? And I've seen that happen in, in, in the in a supermarket. Acting crazy. So th- this loud voice means to screech. Th- these were deeply felt screams of someone suffering. The, the word for loud is is, is megas, which refers to something big and mighty. So this reminds me of James chapter 2, verse 19 which says that the demons believe and shudder. The demons scream because they know they're, they're eventually headed to the lake of fire. One thing I want you to note and see here is that Jesus uses no formula or incantation. He, he speaks the word and the demon cries out and, and, and then comes out. This is proof of the coming judgment and shows that Jesus came into the world to defeat and destroy the devil and all his minions or all his demons. 1 John chapter 3 verse verse 7 through 10. Listen. 1 John chapter 3 verse 7 through 10. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God has revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin. Because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not, does not do what is right is not of God. Especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Unfortunately, in their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. The devil and his minions, I call them, his demons, hate Christ. And they hate Christians. Don't be surprised when you're being persecuted for your faith. When you are standing for your faith, especially now in our days, in this age. Listen, when when marriage is said, so, you know what, the world is telling us, this age is telling us, hey, let's, have, let's, let's get married. Man to a man, woman to a woman. Same-sex marriage is, is popular. It, it, it's, a, it's there. It's open. You see, a lot of young people nowadays are, are willing to come out and say, you know what, I'm okay with having a girlfriend, right, this young girl at the age of 13, 14, 15, whatever. Because of this society, because Satan has confused them. And it is acceptable in our time. See, when you preach a gospel of grace in their lives, they will not accept you. You will be persecuted for your faith. They will hate you. They hate everything about Jesus Christ. When we think about abortion and how many unborn children have died because of their selfishness. Babies are not precious to them but God says babies are precious in the eyes of God. This church You have to be ready, you have to be committed. Because they hate Christ, and guess what? If you're committed to following Christ, they will hate you. They will hate me for preaching a gospel of grace. A gospel of love. Right? And they say, you know what? God is love, but they don't talk about that God hates their sin. They don't want anything to do with that. They don't want any holiness in their lives because Satan, as we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised in how these people today in our age, in our time, are talking and living in such a lifestyle. Only God can change and transform them, as He has transformed you and as He has transformed me. But if you are truly committed to following Christ and living a holy life, because He is holy, be ready, be prepared to face the consequences of being a fool for Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Are you willing to be hated by your loved ones, by your friends? Because this is what we need. Our response is expected when Jesus is encountered. How will you respond? How are you living your life right now? When the real persecution comes here in our state, in our country, in our county, in our city, in our workplaces, in our schools. When you represent Jesus Christ, when you are standing for it, and then you, you, you want to love them because of God's love for them. Are you willing? Are you willing? Or will you respond? Because here's what we see A response is expected when, when Jesus is encountered Number three and last In verse 27 and 28 And they were all amazed So that they questioned among themselves Saying, what is this? Are you teaching with authority? He commands even the spirits, And they obey Him They obey Him And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So look, they were amazed at Jesus' authority. And this power encountered with the unclean spirit, we read in verse 27, to be amazed means to wonder with great admiration. It also has the idea of being alarmed, panicked, or rendered motionless. Right? It, it, it's kind of like, right? Remember when your when your boyfriend at that time proposed to you? You were amazed that he proposed that he proposed to you, and, and you feel you felt weak or even motionless, right? When you go to some beautiful places and and see those things, right? It's like you're amazed of God's creation. Right. When I wake up in the morning, I'm amazed of God's grace. I'm amazed of His faithfulness. I'm amazed that I get to see my wife that day. I'm amazed to see my children. Right. And this is, this is again amazed is to wonder with great admiration. So they started questioning each other, wondering who this, who could this be? His preaching had power, his message had might behind it. People were being set free from sin and Satan, right in front of their eyes. This was no ordinary synagogue service once the Savior showed up. They had no category for Christ. What he was saying and doing had never happened uh, before. If Jesus can quiet and cast out a demon, listen, he can calm you and free you from any bondage that you are under today. He conquers everything. See, whatever sin, whatever difficulties, whatever bondage that you find yourself in today, come to Him. Run to Him. He offers forgiveness in the midst of your sin. Because He loves you. You know that famous Bible verse that we all know John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Look, even that you have been committed and you have committed your life to Christ and that you proclaim to others that, yes... I'm a follower of Christ, but yet right now at this very moment, I, I, I can't really say that. I, I'm, I'm doubting of my salvation. I, I'm not sure where I stand in my relationship with God. Don't be discouraged. Don't, don't give up. All you have to do is turn to Him. Run to Him whatever challenges, whatever sin that is he- um, weighing you so heavily at this very moment, come, go to Him. He has the power, He has the, the authority, he, he conquers everything. He, he wants to free you from your bondage of sin. But you have to come. You have to come in humility, fully surrendered to Him. You see, nothing is too hard for Him. Jesus did not come to just manage your sin, but to master it. The, the, this man was delivered from a demon. Jesus is still doing the same today. He, he can deliver you from whatever demon. That you may have in your life. Whatever weaknesses that's holding you back. That's, that's being a, a hindrance into your relationship with, with God. And being right with Him. He can free you from that. Demons know more about the power and authority of Christ than many of us do. You, you might get His titles right, but, you, but do you submit? Do you submit to His authority? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Have you submitted your life to Him? You see, Jesus does not want your amazement. He, he wants your commitment. He, he wants your faithfulness. Right? And at times when we're listening to, to the sermon and we, like, and, and we leave the, from, from the sermon and we leave from the conferences or we leave from, from the church building and, and we're so amazed of, of the preaching of that man. We're so amazed of, of what the Word of God says to us. And, and, but yet yeah, we fail to what? We fail to submit. We fail to obey. Right? I don't want to hear how amazing the preaching was. What I want to hear from you as you listen, as, you, as we read God's Word, as we study God's Word together, is how is God changing me? And how, how, how you're looking forward to being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen and and consider where you are in your walk with God today. Stop fooling around and stop messing around. Be, Be right with God at this very moment, right now. It is a serious call to be a follower of Christ today. It requires the whole of us whether you feel good physically, mentally, spiritually, or even in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your physical suffering, in the midst of your sickness, God wants all of you. Surrender to Him. Again, I, I want to emphasize this, that Jesus does not want your amazement just like how these people were. If you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ, You should be terrified of the state of your soul. And lastly here we see the news about Jesus spread quickly. Notice what happens in verse 28. As the final result of this power encounter, at once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. The people who left the gathering in the large synagogue in Capernaum had witnessed an authoritative and captivating new teacher with unheard of power. You see, the, the, the fame of Jesus spread without the internet, without Facebook, or even without Google, or without texting. No one had to Google Jesus because people were telling their neighbors, and those neighbors told them, told others about Him. See, they heard the good news. They heard the kingdom of God being preached and being taught by Jesus Christ. And you see the reaction. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region. How could that happen? When they, were, when they saw what Christ was able to do, not just overcome the demonic power and the religious people, that Jesus Christ has greater power and authority over religion and demonic powers. And because of that... The gospel was spread. His name spread in the marketplace. It went to all places because those who saw what he did could not stop talking about it. Everyone we know deserves to know what we know about Jesus Christ. How are we sharing the good news of Christ? We know something special about who Christ is in our lives. But but, 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 but when was the last time? When was the last time you took time to share Jesus Christ to your families, to your friends, to your classmates? What are you afraid of? Are you fearful of men? Are you afraid of what they're going to say to you? Are you afraid of what what to say? The Holy Spirit enables you to speak and to say what is proper. Your, our job, my job, your job is to be faithful of being an ambassador for Christ, being a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. See, these people could not stop talking about what they saw. See, we have a responsibility. How are you using your time today? People are dying. We've seen this. And, and, and we know someone personally died from COVID, from this pandemic, from this, from this virus. And, and, and yet, do you think about that in your life? Do you, what does that look like in your life today? Or are you just so busy sitting in the corner and you know minding your own business? Oh, they, they don't need to hear what I have to say. No, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a responsibility. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 reminds us that we are to go out and proclaim the goodness and disciple them and teach them about Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 tells us that as well. We are to proclaim the good news of Christ. That's all we have to say. That's all we have. We have nothing else better to say to them to change their lives. We have it in the word of God. Once again, church, everyone we know deserves to know what we know about our Savior, Jesus Christ. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are you sharing in your social media? What are you proclaiming in what you post online? Is it about Christ? Is it making much of your Savior Jesus Christ? Or is it about what you ate today or and where, do you, where you've been? or oh, in how you enjoy the snow in the mountain, or in how beautiful the sunrise or the sunset, whatever. However you do that, are you proclaiming God? Are you worshiping God through those things that He enables you to see and enjoy in your life? Because all we have, church, if you're a follower of Christ, your responsibility, my responsibility is this, is to proclaim the kingdom of God. And that was the message of Jesus Christ when He was here. That was His work to do. And He died for us. And if you do not know Christ as your Savior and Lord today, if you don't have a personal relationship right now, you should consider the state of your soul as you're listening and watching this. Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? Well, if you were to die today, Would you for certain know for certain that when you die today, will you be with Him in His presence? Because the Bible tells us that God is holy and that we are sinful and that God sent His Son to die for us. The Bible reminds us that no one is good, no, not one. Romans chapter 10 reminds us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you repent of your sin, and, and, and He offers our salvation and our forgiveness before you, I hope and pray that today is a day of salvation, that you will repent of your sins. Wherever you are at this time, as you're listening and watching to this, consider the state of your soul. Because God, God is real, and He showed His love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So do I recognize the authority of Jesus over my life? Again, I want to ask you, do you recognize the authority of Jesus over your life? You could say, yes. Yes, Pastor. I recognize that Jesus is Lord of my life. I recognize that He, that he has authority over my life. Yes, and 10,000 and, and thousand more, amen. But listen, what is your response? What is your response to the authority of Jesus? Will I continue to try and put myself on the throne of my life? doing what I want to do? Or will I respond by giving myself over to the service and worship of my Savior and my King? The reality is that when we come to the Sunday service, when we go to Bible studies and small group fellowship and prayer meetings, we, we can read our Bibles, we, we can pray faithfully and consistently, and we can go out and do what we want to do and, and, and continue to live in our sin and disobey Jesus. Unless we recognize and respond to the authority of Jesus over our lives, over your life, we will see little to no evidence of our sins forgiven in our hearts transform or change. So I'm, what I'm asking, I'm, ask, I'm asking us, if we have never responded to the, to the good news of Jesus Christ, Will you do so today, right now, at this very moment? There is healing for your souls in the person of Jesus Christ. He he came for me and He came for you to restore us to God. Will you today recognize and respond to the authority of King Jesus? Will today be the day that that you bow your knee and confess with your mouth that Jesus is indeed Lord of your life? Will you do that today? Even if you have confessed Christ, now here's also an opportunity for you to make it right with God. You don't need to come clean to Him. He will, he will clean you up. He will, you make, he will make you righteous because He is righteous. Oh, may God be merciful to us in this hour. Join me in prayer. Our gracious Father, we are thankful for Your truth. And I pray, Father, that we will not simply leave this place and stop listening and, and just go on with the activities of our night or, or of our day. But Lord, that we will not just simply leave this study amazed of what Jesus Christ have done. But Lord, that instead, that we will obey you and submit our very lives to you. And this is my prayer Father for our church our Resolve Bible Church that those whom you have called to be in this fellowship in this congregation that every soul that you have appointed to be here in this, ver- in this fellowship and those whom you will call to be here Father oh, that they will know Christ that they would make much of Christ that they would indeed have a personal relationship that this is not something ritualistic or even religious to them. But it's a it's a matter of relationship. It doesn't matter how old they are, Lord. I pray that by the power of your spirit that you would open their eyes that they would respond to your message. That they would respond to the good news of Christ. And only you can do that. So, Father, I pray that you would help them acknowledge you as Savior and Lord. Open their eyes to see Christ, to see to, for Him, Lord, to be the Lord of, of their lives. And I pray for all these things in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Resolved in the Truth, a ministry of Resolved Bible Church located in Norco, California. More information about Resolve Bible Church is available at www.resolvebc.com.